how you doing, how you living? Just me today, Austin Cunningham. Justin Treese is out celebrating his anniversary with his beautiful wife. Treese, I hope you guys are having a great time. I just saw you tweet that you guys went out to get some salads, a light salad, and some wine. But, you know, it happens to the best of us. You end up with beer, burgers, and wings. And, boy, you just keep rubbing it in that you are living the best life out of all of us. I hope you enjoy your day off, buddy. But guys, we are going to be breaking down week four of the NFL. I'm going to be honest with you. Not a lot of fun games to discuss this week, but Treese and I, we have gone over our spreads. This is what we're going to do. We do it every week leading up to it. I hope you guys are having a great week. Thank you for tuning in. I greatly appreciate it. I know Justin does as well. So let's go ahead and roll into this and the news that is going on in the NFL. Right now that we know, the Tennessee Titans, uh, they do have a couple players um, and people within the organization, I believe it is just players on the team, that have tested positive for COVID. And so within that, and them previously just playing the Vikings, the Vikings haven't had any positive testing which is great. You love to see that. But due to the Titans having te players or people in the organization test positive, they have postponed the game between them and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Reports came out earlier yesterday, about middle of the day as I was on radio, uh, that they will be playing the game on Monday and that it will be pushed to that day. So there's going to be a doubleheader. But the key aspect that they brought up was that it was going to be through CBS. And I'm not sure who is announcing that game with this being the matchup. I'm assuming it's going to be the number one guys, Jim Nance and Tony Romo. So if we get those two on Monday night, just imagine how upset ESPN has to be with this. That <laughs> we finally get Monday night. We have a team here. We're set in stone. Hopefully this is okay. We're good with it. And now it's like, damn. Now we got to worry about Jim Nance and Tony Romo having the same night. We opened up week one with the guys from college football. Oh, Herbie and Fowler. It's just, can we get a break? We had two weeks. It was okay. We did just fine with the Chiefs and Ravens game. And now we got to compete with CBS. My attention is going to be going to that game because, like I said, there's just some games this week that are possibly going to be a snooze fest. But let's go ahead and get into the spreads and the start of week one. And that is going to be Thursday Night Football, the game that is happening the day that this podcast is released. The Denver Broncos are traveling to New York. This game, it's so competitive. There's so much talent on these teams that they could they didn't know what to do with the spread, so they made it even. Totally kidding. These guys... The Broncos, their season is pretty much over. They are dealing with injuries. If I'm the Broncos and I see Drew Locke in the way, you know, that we don't have an opportunity to compete in the division, the AFC West, we're not going to be competing in the AFC. Drew Locke, take your time getting back from an injury, man. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Let's just, we'll move on. We'll look forward to next year, okay? We'll figure it out. So within this game, Drew Locke is not playing, of course, with the injury, but the Broncos are playing the Jets, and the Jets have just looked atrocious the last couple weeks. I don't think it's going to be any better. I think the Broncos still have more talent than the Jets do, as sad as that is to say. Uh, but Treese and I are both taking the Broncos to win this game. With it being an even spread, 
And that is what it is. The Broncos are going to win. It doesn't matter by how much or how little. A win is a win. Therese and I both taking the Broncos. Our next game is going to be the Indianapolis Colts traveling to Chicago. And the Colts are favored by two and a half. Therese is taking the Bears. And I'm going to assume it's because Nick Foles has taken over. And this offense might be a little bit more explosive. But I'm looking at it as, hey, you lost your true gadget player in Tariq Cohen. Is David Montgomery ready to step up and take on that full role? Is Anthony Miller ready to be a prime number two receiver in this offense without, you know, some looks going to Cohen? How is the tight end, Jimmy Graham, is he going to be a focal point in this offense now with Nick Foles being the starting quarterback? And then Allen Robinson. Let's say you continue to have the season that you are and within the Nick Foles era of Chicago. Hopefully it works out for him. But I'm looking at the Colts and that running back by committee they have going on. And it's hard for me not to pick them. T.Y. Hilton has looked a little sluggish, but I believe in Phillip Rivers. I like the Colts' defense. Uh, they had a great defensive showing last week. Yes, it wasn't against a very good team, but still, you have to like it for the Colts. That's momentum for them heading into this week against the Bears. I think the Bears get their first loss of the year, and the Colts keep on rolling. Our next game, the Cleveland Browns and the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys are favored by four and a half. Justin Treese took the Cowboys, and so did I. I hope this is a game that is just ground and pound. I know we've been seeing Dak throw the ball all over the field. They have weapons. We saw a new one emerge last week, which was great for their offense. But within this, you need to find a way to control the clock and control the game because that's kind of what the Browns have been doing. So if you can get the ball and you can take over with Zeke, and then when you get to a point where you need to throw and you need to score quickly, you know you have that possibility. But force the Browns to throw the ball and allow Baker Mayfield to lead them to a victory. You have to live or die by letting Baker Mayfield beat you. And what we've seen so far in his young career for Baker is that he can't do that. So if you're the Dallas Cowboys, you have to find a way to make that work. You have to allow that to take place. It's, you know That's so much easier said than done within the NFL and trying to control a game and control the clock and not make mistakes. It's just part of football. But when you look at this Browns defense and you know the Cowboys offensive line has honestly been an issue, and so is the Cowboys secondary. But when I look at Baker Mayfield against the secondary, I'm not as worried as I would be before, you know, against a Russell Wilson or a Matt Ryan. This is Baker Mayfield. We haven't seen him just take over a game by himself with the weapons that are around him. And honestly, he already should have by now. But back to the Dallas Cowboys offensive line versus defensive line for the Browns. That's going to be a good matchup. They're going to have to find a way to protect Dak Prescott if they want to win this ball game. So we're both taking the Cowboys at four and a half. I do hope this is a good game. I don't think, excuse me, I don't think this is a game that's being talked about enough or hyped up enough, especially with how well the Browns are. Oh, my word, excuse me. With how well the Browns are running the ball this year with their one-two punch of Chubb and Hunt, you could probably make a lot of jokes there, but I'm going to be mature right now, and I'm going to avoid it. Let's move on to our next game, a game of the Big Cats. The Jacksonville Jaguars are traveling to Cincinnati. The Bengals are favored by three. Joe Burrow's pissed. He's never lost two games back-to-back. -back. Well, guess what? He didn't. He just lost, lost, in a tie. I'm sure he's not happy with it. If you're looking at the Jaguars, yes, they're a young team, but they haven't figured out how to win ball games together. And when you look at the quarterback matchup, 
I'm taking Joe Burrow over Gardner Minshew, no matter how bad or weak that he played the week before. I just think Joe Burrow is going to Joe, excuse me, Joe Burrow is going to be more determined to win. So I'm going to take the Bengals here minus three, favored by three. So is Trees. That's the analysis on that game. Now here is our second difference between Trees and I. It is going to be the New Orleans Saints are traveling to Detroit to play the Lions. The Saints are favored by four. I didn't get notes from Trees on this game, and I'm not really sure where his mindset is with it uh, on the Lions, but he's actually taken the Lions to cover. I'm assuming he thinks the Saints are still going to win, but if if I could pick up anything from Trees, it's probably looking at the Lions and seeing, hey, their defense was able to execute and get pressure to Kyler Murray and create him to make mistakes. They can probably do the same thing to Drew Brees with the way that he's been playing this year, and I agree with that. But the difference this week is that the New Orleans Saints might have Michael Thomas back, and if that's the case, this offense could explode back onto the scene. We're going to see Michael Thomas schematically be put, you know, created open, and Drew Brees is going to hit him on a slant. No matter how short or deep this lane is, that is a specialty of Michael Thomas. I think he's the difference in this game. I'm not going to say the Saints blow him out of the water, but I'm going to say the Saints find a way to win this game by at least a touchdown, maybe 10. So the Lions, they are also having Kenny Galladay back again. Their offense seemed to flow smoothly last week. Hopefully they get Swift a little bit more involved with Adrian Peterson and they can continue that running back by committee with those two. Adrian Peterson has apparently become the present for them, which I believe is a shock to a lot of other people aside from just myself. But this is going to be an interesting game as well. Not one to be hyped over, but one to kind of keep an eye on because how are the Lions looking? You know, has Matt Patricia maybe figured it out after a slow start to the season? Yes, you beat the Cardinals, but you forced Kyler Murray to throw three interceptions. Through the first two weeks, we're like, man, this guy might be MVP candidate. He might be carrying on the tradition that Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson have started as winning it in your second year as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Hopefully, Kyler has a back, uh, excuse me, a rebound type week this week. Wowzers! Hopefully, Kyler Murray has a rebound type of game this week in the NFL. But that's something that we'll have to find out on Sunday. Our next matchup: the Steelers and the Titans. Something that I covered at the beginning of the episode. This game is most likely being pushed to Monday. If that has officially been set in stone, we will hopefully find that out today as for you guys listening tomorrow for me recording. The Steelers are favored by two and a half. Teresa and I are taking both of them. The Tennessee Titans just haven't shown the ability to me to take over a game and own it offensively. They are a pound-the-rock type of team with Derrick Henry, and that's just, it is what it is. That's how they play ball. They have to play mistake-free football, and then they have to rely on their kicker to keep them in games if they're unable to score. The Pittsburgh Steelers, their defense is great. They're probably one of the best defenses in the NFL. I think that has been taken away from the Baltimore Ravens and what a lot of people thought they might be um, after the beatdown that they took against the Chiefs or from the Chiefs on Monday night. And that's not me being a biased fan. I just think that's ultimately what happened. Ravens got their asses kicked. It's okay. You move on. The Steelers, though, they're right there to take that number one defensive spot. I expect them to win this game by more than two and a half. And again, so does Justin Treese. Next game, the Seattle Seahawks are traveling to Miami to face the Dolphins. The Seahawks are favored by six and a half. I don't know if Treese is smashing it. He picked the over here. He's picking the Seahawks to cover. I'm smashing it. 
I think Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks just wallop the Dolphins. I mean, they probably just send them further back into sea. These Seahawks just fly on over. They pick a dolphin up out of the water, and they just take it onto its nest and eat it. A little graphic. I'm sorry. But I just the Seahawks are a complete team, and they've been playing amazing. Jamal Adams did was out at the end of the game last week against the Cowboys. I haven't gotten an update on what that is. I shouldn't say I haven't gotten. I haven't seen one. If he's playing, that's a huge difference for this team. Still, even if he's not, I'm taking the Seahawks to cover six and a half. Next game, this is our third difference for Justin Treese and I. The Los Angeles Chargers are traveling to Tampa Bay to face the Buccaneers, where the Bucs are favored by seven. That's quite a spread, and I get it. And Treese took the Chargers, and I took the Bucks. But I have seen Tom Brady progress every single week so far this year. Justin Herbert did just fine his first week starting in the NFL. Second week, had a fumble, had an interception, didn't look quite right. The offense didn't help him. Or excuse me, his weapons didn't help him too much. They had an opportunity to win the game last week. Keenan Allen, I don't know what type of throwback or pitch or lateral that was that you tried to do but boy it was not pretty so there is a possibility the Chargers kind of get back on track but when I look at Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and what that defense has been able to do as they have progressed as well it's hard for me to pick against them right now so I am going to take the Buccaneers favored by seven I do wonder though if this is a game for Treese where it's hey I expect the Buccaneers to win I'm not quite sure that it's by a touchdown even if it's not, I hope this is a good game because it's maybe the future quarterback of the NFL, you know, the future of a franchise versus a guy who's just taken over one and is arguably, not even arguably, is set in stone the GOAT uh, as a quarterback right now, Tom Brady. We'll see if anyone is able to uproot that later on in their career. But right now, that is clearly Tom Brady. So this next game, the Baltimore Ravens in Washington to face the Washington football team. The Ravens are on the road, and they are favored by 13. And they have got to be the most pissed-off team in the NFL this week. I mean, they have to. There's no way Lamar Jackson is happy with the way he played, and he shouldn't be. That defense should not be happy with, you know, the amount of yards that they let up against the Kansas City Chiefs and just how weakly they played or, you know, even faced and matched up against the Chiefs. That game should have been closer. It should have been more of a shootout, and it wasn't. I don't think Washington has the firepower to keep up with Baltimore, and with Baltimore being this pissed off, I have a bet that, you know, Lamar Jackson doesn't get over 40 touchdowns this year. It's at 39.5. It's the bet that I made with Matt Miller. Looking at it this week in this game, ugh, it's not going to be good for me because I wouldn't be surprised if Lamar Jackson finds a way to score six touchdowns. Whether that's running and throwing combined, I think this dude just takes over the game as he should because last week wasn't a pretty showing for him as he only had 97 passing yards. That ain't going to do it. It doesn't matter if you're playing the Chiefs or not. If you can't throw for over 100 yards in the, in the NFL as a quarterback, something ain't right. Our next game, the Arizona Cardinals are playing the Carolina Panthers. Cardinals are on the road. This is another team that's favored while traveling. They are favored by three and a half. The Arizona Cardinals are. Kyler Murray, I just mentioned Lamar Jackson. There's no way he's happy with the way he played last week. Neither is Kyler Murray. Three interceptions in his mind that has to be unacceptable as it would be in any other quarterback's mind. So 
I think Kyler Murray comes out and he has a big game. I think Cam and DeAndre Hopkins have a big game. And I honestly just want to see everyone stay involved with that Arizona Cardinals offense against this Panthers defense. But in saying that, that's exactly what the Panthers have to do now that they don't have now that they don't have Christian McCaffrey in the mix. Because now with him out, Joe Brady has to look at this offense. Matt Rule has to look at this team and go, hey, we got to spread the ball around. We have plenty of speed on offense. We just have to figure out how to distribute the ball equally and make this happen and not make mistakes. So if you can rely on Teddy Bridgewater to be responsible with the ball and not mess it up, you have weapons in Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, who we saw last week, just like Mr. Justin Trace predicted. We're going to see him all over the field. Now, in terms of fantasy, you know, that might not mean a lot of points, but within the game, that means a bigger role. So that's good for him. That's good for the Panthers. This isn't a big game to keep an eye on, but this is another one that I'm going to be interested in kind of seeing how these teams play. How does Kyler Murray rebound? You know, how does he play this week? recovering from last week and then with Teddy Bridgewater and this Panthers offense what is Joe Burrow or excuse me not Joe Burrow what has Joe Brady got up his sleeve to kind of throw out here for the Panthers and show the Cardinals something they maybe haven't seen this year from the Panthers with Christian McCaffrey being out of the mix just a little game to kind of keep your eye on for myself here uh, and something I think you guys should probably do as well our next game though the Minnesota Vikings are traveling to Houston the Texans are favored by three and a half Trace and I are both taking the Texans, as we should. They have played, the Houston Texans have played the toughest schedule so far this year. It has been awful. I mean, just brutal. I just, you can't even say awful. It has been brutal. It's been so brutal that I'm sure the seat for Bill O'Brien, Mr. Bob, is heating up, as it should be already from the way they played in the playoffs last year. They are including the playoffs on a four-game losing streak, that's not good for anybody. You shouldn't be happy with it if you're the Houston Texans. And hopefully this week against the Minnesota Vikings, who played their best game of football last week, hopefully you can find a way to get a W here, whether it is only by three points or if it's over the three-and-a-half mark that Trace and I are picking. But there is a little un <laughs> an uneasy feeling in my gut that Kirk Cousins isn't happy with the way he's been playing either. We saw Justin Jefferson explode onto the scene last week. Dalvin Cook had a math like just a massive monster type of game uh, that we haven't seen a running back have in a while, just to frankly be honest with you. So looking at this game and kind of seeing what the Vikings were able to do last week, yes, they lost, but like I said, that was their most complete game of football that they've played all year. We're only three weeks in, but if you can carry that momentum in what you were able to accomplish last week and continue it into this week, there's a possibility you win this game. Now, within the Houston Texans, you know, this is something we talked on radio. And, you know, I think Trace and I talked about it last episode as well as they're so excited to get to the quarterback in rush that they just they open up lanes for the run game or they just open up lanes for a quarterback to escape through or, you know, just an opening and they make mistakes. They're not disciplined defensive linemen. And at times that's OK if you get the results you're looking for and what you need. But at other times it's like, oh, my gosh. Like, we have to stay mentally disciplined here, and we can't make mistakes. That's kind of where I'm at here for the Vikings-Texans game. Again, picking the Texans to get their first win of the year, it's going to be a tough look for the Vikings if they don't win this game. This is another game that is, shouldn't be getting a lot of hype. That's fine. They're winless teams. Someone's got to win this game, though. 
But I am interested in seeing how the Minnesota Vikings carry on their success in you know, outbreaks that they had from Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson into this week as well against the Houston Texans. But our next matchup, I mean, this might as well you I don't even know if you're the if you're the Giants, why even show up to this game or why even travel all the way across the country to Los Angeles to face the Rams where they're favored by twelve. I don't know what the Giants are doing. I don't know what is going on. It just it's not good and I feel bad for them. When you look at the other team, though, you look across the 53 yards, uh, that's how wide the football field is, and you see that team sitting there in the Los Angeles Rams, and you see Aaron Donald, <laughs> there's just no way that you're Daniel Jones and you're going, I have time to make throws today. I'm going to be just fine. Dude, you're fucked. Ultimately, like, good luck, man. I wouldn't be surprised if Aaron Donald breaks a sack record this week in the NFL game, which is formerly held by... Derek freaking Thomas, a great Kansas City Chief, RIP, man. But I, like I said, I would not be surprised if Aaron Donald finds a way to break that record and is in Daniel Jones's face all game, as he should be. This offensive line for the Giants is just atrocious. Therese and I are both taking the Rams. Game over. Our next one. This is probably the biggest game of the week, and it's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs versus the New England Patriots. The Patriots are finally coming back to Kansas City. Last time they were here, they got a win in an AFC Championship game. Before that, though, boy, was it a blowout. So hopefully Patrick Mahomes can keep up the momentum that he you know built last week as he was playing pissed off against the Ravens in Baltimore. The New England Patriots, they love to control the clock. They run the ball. They're a run-heavy team. Cam Newton, they're going to run it down your throat. And we've seen teams have success doing that against the Chiefs before. But this defense this year is different, of course. This isn't last year. The Kansas City Chiefs, their defense, it's just, it, seem, it is better. I'm not going to even say it seems. It is better than it was last year. They understand Spagnuolo's defense. And the leadership that we've seen from Chris Jones, Frank Clark, and Tyron Matthew has been incredible. And then you go to the offensive side of the ball and all the weapons. And then you look at the New England Patriots' defense. It's, hey, you're good. Bill Belichick, you're a defensive-minded genius, the greatest coach of all time. But within this, it's also like a that's the Kansas City Chiefs, and that's Patrick Mahomes, and that's Andy Reid, and there's six, seven weapons over there that it's a true pick your poison. How are you going to stop them? Even if you put your best corner on Tyreek Hill, and then you try and bracket Travis Kelsey, you still have to worry about Sammy Watkins. Even if you put stuff on Gilmore on him, you leave Tyreek open to burn everyone else on your defense, and then you bracket Travis Kelsey. Go ahead, because guess who else is there? Mr. Can't Catch right now, Demarcus Robinson. And then you have McCole Hardman, and then you have Clyde Edwards-Alaire out of the backfield. It's just there's too many weapons for the Patriots to try and cover, and you're probably not getting to Patrick Mahomes. I hope everyone comes out of this game healthy. But the Kansas City Chiefs are favored by seven. Therese and I are taking them both. I just think the Patriots are put in a situation where they are forced to throw the ball. And, yes, the Chiefs have lost Legereus Sneed due to a fractured clavicle. Uh, in case you don't understand that, that is your collarbone. He has fractured it. So that's going to be a hit to this defense. But with the, you know, the comeback of Juan Thornhill and him being fully healthy this year, that's just going to be a range in the backfield that the Patriots necessarily haven't seen yet from the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm fine with this game. I think it is going to be a good one. I'm excited to watch it, of course, but I'm taking the Chiefs to win this. Our next game, the Buffalo Bills versus the Oakland Raiders. The Bills are only favored by three. 
within this game. Trace and I are both taking the Buffalo Bills, but the Raiders were dealing with some injuries last week. There's a possibility Henry Ruggs gets to play. If so, there's that deep weapon for Derek Carr that kind of opens up the field for Darren Waller to eat underneath. It gives Hunter Renfro some opportunity with open space because the defenses have to respect the speed of Henry Ruggs. Excuse me. And then the defense for the Raiders. I don't know if they're good enough yet to stop the powerhouse that is Josh Allen right now with the Bills and Stephon Diggs and John Brown if he is playing. And then there's Cole Beasley as well. It's just when you look at this game for the Bills and the Raiders, it's kind of the same matchup that I see with the Chiefs and the Patriots. You just you're going to have to find ways to win this game and slow down that offense. And I just don't know if you have enough firepower on defense or enough, should I say, stopping power on defense to slow them down just the tiniest bit because Josh Allen is on a roll and he has been phenomenal. So you have to love it. He is truly in the MVP race. Justin Treese and I mentioned it last episode. It is Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and then Mr. Aaron Rodgers. That fifth one, just toss in another name. Maybe Dak Prescott, maybe Aaron Donald. Maybe there's another defensive player that can kind of slide in the mix. I can tell you right now, though, it ain't fucking Carson Wentz. So there's another bet that I made with Mr. Matt Miller that I am most likely going to lose. But, hey, it's A-OK. We're having fun. We're loving life. The Bills are baiting, or excuse me, are beating the Oakland Raiders by three. Treese and I agree on that. The next game. The Philadelphia Eagles are traveling to San Francisco. The 49ers are favored by seven. Debo Samuel is back. George Kittle is back. Jimmy Garoppolo might be back. If I'm Kyle Shanahan and I'm looking at this, it's like, hey, let's see what old Mr. Mullins can do here. All right, let's see what old Nicky Poo got up his sleeve. Can he run this offense just as good as Jimmy Garoppolo with all these weapons being in the mix? There's a true possibility that he does. Brandon Ayuk had a big game coming onto the scene as a rookie. You put him and Debo Samuel in the mix. I believe Mozart is back as well. Like The firepower for the 49ers is there. And then when you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, it's like, Jesus Christ. How are you going to stop it? Because you haven't stopped anything else so far this year. You didn't stop the Bengals even after you got eight sacks and hit their quarterback 18 times. You stopped Joe Mixon. You held A.J. Green in check. But Joe Burrow just keeps coming back, baby. He just keeps coming back. And when you look at the Eagles' offense, that's where the true question mark is, is what are they going to look like? Is Miles Sanders in the mix? Does he have a big game? Honestly, probably not. Because the play calling for the Philadelphia Eagles has been awful. I don't understand it. I go back and watch these games, and it's third and one. It's fourth and two. They're trying to throw the ball 30 yards down the fucking field. Just get the first down and move on. And this is an argument that I had and I've discussed with Treese in regards to the Eagles that when Carson Wentz goes out, this offense miraculously looks better, and it's because the play calling is more simplified for the quarterback to get easy open looks to move the ball down the field. It's like they're putting, you can't even say too much weight on Carson Wentz. They're just putting just impossible expectations and standards for him to meet that you're looking at like, dude, of course he didn't get a third and two and they're throwing the ball 20 yards downfield and he has nobody underneath. It's, it's a tough year for the Philadelphia Eagles. This is a team I had a lot of hope for, especially with all that speed on their offense, but it isn't looking good. They're dealing with injuries once again. 
Just I hope they figure it out, but I don't think it's going to be this week against San Francisco 49ers as they are favored by seven. That is exactly who I am taking. And with this game, this are where our player prop bets come in the mix for Justin, Trace, and I. Trace, I believe, is the one that just sets these lines with his beautiful, wonderful magic mind that he does have. The first one is the quarterback, whether it is Mullins or Jimmy Garoppolo. It is set at 238 passing yards. We are both taking the over. There's too many weapons on that offense for them not to, even if they are throwing the Mozart. George Kittle being back in the mix. Debo Samuel coming back to this offense is going to be huge for either of the quarterbacks. If, even if it is Nick or Jimmy, it's going to be a good game for them. And then Mozart, we have set the line at 73 rushing yards. I am taking the over. Justin Treese is taking the under. I just think the 49ers have a heyday and they do whatever they want. I think they get to a point where they are up so much that it's like, man, we're just going to run the ball and it's going to be fine. Where you're going to look at Mozart and he's going to break one off and he's going to hit the corner and it's adios, see you later. Saranara, I'm out. Peace, later. Touchdown, 49ers. Then next, George Kittle, over under 68 receiving yards. I took the over. Justin Treese is also taking the over. I'm also just going to say this. If there was an over button for all, that's exactly what I did because Carson Wentz is the next one with 268 passing yards. I am taking the over. So is Justin Treese. I just think he finds a way, or not even finds a way, is just forced to throw the ball because they're losing, and it just gets to a point where he probably throws for close to 350 yards. I truly think that's a possibility for Carson Wentz just because they're going to be down so much in this game. And then Miles Sanders, 61 rushing yards over under. We both took the over on this as well. I think Sanders just has an opportunity to maybe break one loose or at the beginning of this game, it's decently close and they're going to start running the ball to try and keep control of it, keep control of the clock, you know, try and own the game. And they just pound the rock with Miles Sanders. So 61 yards, whether that is rushing or it is total, I am taking the over on it. And then Zach Ertz, 55 receiving yards. Mr. Justin Treese took the under here. Uh, Dallas Goddard is out. He's really the only receiving weapon for Carson Wentz. So I'm going to take Zach Ertz on the over here for 55 passing yards, or excuse me, uh, 55 receiving yards. I just think it's really going to be Wentz, Sanders, and Ertz. There's nothing else that the, <laughs> the Eagles have for you to be worried about, especially with Dallas Goddard out of the mix. Now, let's get into our last game for this episode in week four that we're going to be breaking down, and that's going to be the Atlanta Falcons traveling to Green Bay to play the Packers. The Packers are favored by seven and a half. I mentioned Aaron Rodgers' name earlier in terms of MVP candidacy in the top five. He has been playing lights out so far this year. Him being able to use his cadence as a weapon in these empty stadiums has been phenomenal. And now he gets to do it at home. I'm not sure if Lambeau has fans in the field or in the stands. Excuse me. It don't matter. Aaron Rodgers is going to have himself a heyday, and it's going to be a great game for him against this defense. The Atlanta Falcons... I feel bad for you. I feel bad for Matt Ryan. But the way this defense is played under Dan Quinn, it's just not good. The Packers are favored by 7.5. We surprisingly have a disagreement on this as Justin Treese is taking the Falcons to cover. I don't know if he's picking them to win, but he's picking them to cover. And I'm going to assume it's because they've already been – all their games have been decently close for the Atlanta Falcons. They have been close. It's just they choke away the game at the end, and then they lose, and that's just been it. 
But when I look at Aaron Rodgers and what this offense has displayed so far with Alan Lazard, you know, Devontae Adams being in the mix, NVS, and then you have Mr. Aaron Jones right behind Aaron Rodgers or right beside him if they're in shotgun. It's just a beautiful thing, and Matt LaFleur has figured it out as a head coach. Him and Aaron Rodgers are having a ton of fun as a head coach-quarterback relationship. You might be hearing stories that they don't get along or that they don't like one another or that, you know, Aaron Rodgers is just too controlling or he doesn't listen. If you listen to him on the Pat McAfee podcast or the Pat McAfee show, whatever you want to call it, he's had a change of pace in his mindset and his outlook on life and, you know, finding things that he truly enjoys and loves to do and allowing that to dictate his happiness instead of letting other things, you know, upset him or bother him. And honestly, I think that's something that all of us can kind of just take a piece of and put in our everyday lives or just find things that make you happy and put your focus there. If there's anything going on that bothers you or doesn't make you happy, remove it. No matter how much or how important you think it really is. Because if it was important and it meant that much, it wouldn't be the thing that's hurting you. That's just a little peace of mind to look at you. Sorry to get sentimental there. But within this game, I am taking the Packers by 7.5. I think they win this game. Uh, by two scores whether that's 10 points or two touchdowns I just think the way they're playing has been phenomenal and for the Falcons I think they're looking at Dan Quinn and they're looking at this team they're just like I'm done I just think there's some players and there's some people that organization just aren't having it and you truly do hate to see it so that is the breakdown for week four Justin Treese and I having I believe one uh, there's at least three or four disagreements here on the spreads Hopefully that helps me with the record as mine spread record is 27, 19, and 2. And then Mr. Justin Treese has got me by three games, 30, 16, and 2. But we got to find the positives. We got to be optimistic here. I am winning in the player prop bets 11 and 6. Justin Treese has 10 and 7. We did have quite a bit of disagreements. I believe there was one, two, so not quite a bit. Only two differences in the player prop bets. Hey, smash the over on them. I'm expecting to just continue on the lead. Hopefully, I make up for that spread record as well. But that is it for this episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. It was a one-man show today. I'm sorry if I talked too fast, if I flew through it. I tried to share as much analysis and thoughts that I had going into week four of the NFL season. But once again, thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it. Make sure to check us out on Twitter. I am Austin Seaham33. Austin Cham 33, however you want to pronounce it. And then Justin Trees, he's the only Justin Trees in the world, or at least he was just the first one to get on Twitter as his app is at Justin Trees. Again, thank you guys for listening, and today we have been talking football.